This evening we're going to going to give a short meditation on what Matt just read from Mark 15, verse 21 through 39. But before I do that, let's pray together. Father, we come before you this evening feeling the weight of what Jesus went through, feeling the injustice of it, feeling the anger of the crowd, but also feeling the weight of our own sin. Father, would you open up our eyes more and more to the beauty, the glory of Jesus Christ, our Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> well, I don't like blood. I'll just admit it. I'm not a fan of blood. I get queasy just thinking about it. When I was in grade school, actually, I remember my teacher telling us about a blood disorder she had where um, she, this disorder would not allow her blood to clot. And as she was telling this story, I think I was in third grade, my hands got sweaty, my head got light, and I almost passed out. The room was spinning. But years before that, I was at a Sears. Remember Sears? I was at a Sears trying on eyeglasses for the first time. And an elderly man beside me was also trying on eyeglasses for, I don't know, probably not the first time. (laughs) But he hit the floor, and he had a massive seizure. And I'll just say, I won't give you all the details, but blood was involved. Well, I also hit the floor minutes later. Until I regained my faculties, I don't don't like blood. I'm not a fan of blood. Yet as much as I don't like blood, I have to admit that blood is all around us, isn't it? We live in a bloody world, so to speak. Shed blood reminds us of the broken, messed up, sin-filled world that we inhabit every day. It reminds us of the illnesses we don't want. It reminds us of the accidents we try to avoid. It reminds us of the violence that we grieve over in this world. So as we consider a solution, what's the solution to this bloody world, we ask? How does it strike you this evening? That the God of the universe worked out a solution to our problem, not by avoiding blood, but by having his own blood spilt. I remember when I was growing up, and in my house there was this card-sized picture of Jesus on the wall in our kitchen. And on the back side of this picture had the words, God didn't give an answer for suffering. He took it upon himself. It's a big, profound statement. God didn't give an answer for suffering. He took it upon himself. It's the kind of statement that is, com- is comforting, in some ways, but it almost brings up more questions, doesn't it, than answers. It still doesn't answer why I have to go through the suffering in the first place, or what Jesus' suffering actually accomplished, if anything. But it does, however, point to his compassion, his empathy, his willingness to enter into our bloody world. In his article, The Universe Demands a Cross, Samuel D. James arrives at the conclusion that Christianity is about blood. It is a blood-stained narrative about a blood-stained universe. The garden teems with spectacular creations of life and blood, courses through the veins of animals and image bearers alike. And when God gives Adam and Eve skins to cover themselves with after they plunge the cosmos 
headlong into darkness. The unspoken realization is that somewhere a creature's blood was shed so that this man and woman could be clothed, protected, and unashamed. You see, the story of humanity involves this reoccurring need to cover up our guilt, our shame, and how the blood of this world is not only evidence of our brokenness, but the very price of our salvation. Someone or something must pay dearly for what they've done. And why is this? Because the God of the universe is a just God. That he will right every wrong, even if it's our wrongs. He will right them. That someone or something is it's either us or a substitute, someone who makes payment in our place. And so God in his mercy chose not to carry out strict justice on wrongdoers like you and me. But he chose to carry out merciful justice, allowing for payment for sin to be made through the death of another. This is the idea of atonement. The idea of atonement. This paying of a wrong. A repaying of what you've done wrong. Samuel James continues, Atonement is not mere ritual, it's a reckoning with the world as it really is. Everyone offers a blood sacrifice for something, a creature's blood for the life of my a creature's blood for my food, a stranger's blood for my survival, my own blood for the life of my child. Try to believe for one minute that this world is not fallen, not broken, not longing for a redemption, denied it, and you won't take three steps before you see blood. Blood is the stuff of life as well as its price. You see, friends, Jesus didn't just die on the cross to give us an example of love to follow. If that was the case, we'd still be in our sins. Jesus died on the cross taking our punishment and curse instead of us. And you see, no other philosophy, no other self-help book or religion can give you the correct approach to finding a solution to this bloody world. Samuel James continues, as the sanitized inward journey of Eastern Hinduism and Buddhism do not explain the blood. Moralistic, therapeutic deism that's so popular today in our country doesn't receive the blood. Atheism and scientism chose, choose to drown in the blood. At the center of Christianity is a man with shredded flesh and pouring veins, a bloody overlay, on top of a bloody universe. And he did it as a substitute. In your place. For your sin. Until you see Jesus' death as an exchange for your death, you will not grasp the true message of Christianity. You see, one of the reasons we have a Good Friday service is because it brings into brilliant light this question. Why did Jesus have to die? The answer is that so that you, a sinful person, could be made right with a holy God. That I could be made right with a holy God. And how do we apply this to ourselves? We believe that what he did was sufficient for you and sufficient for me. And if you do that, if you trust in him, you will be saved. What he did will apply to you. If you believe that Jesus was forsaken, 
so that you could be adopted. We read amazingly, and in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Shed blood was required. Shed blood of our perfect sacrifice, our King Jesus, was offered. So you and I would need a mediator that wasn't just good, but perfect. And one that would not just be perfect in your place, but punished in your place. And so herein lies the power of the gospel. It's in verse 33 and 34 of Mark 15. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Here he's quoting Psalm 22. He's not just quoting Psalm 22. He's fulfilling Psalm 22. You see, Jesus took the curse. Paul writes as much in Galatians 3, verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Jesus was forsaken so that we would never be forsaken. God will never forsake his people because he he forsook his son. He turned his face, as we sang earlier. He broke relationship with him so that we could be brought in. The wrath of God fell on Jesus so that it would never have to be poured out on those who trust in him. This is the heart of the gospel. This is the heart of the gospel. And notice what happens in verse 38 of Mark 15. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. From top to bottom. From heaven down to earth. This was a supernatural tearing. It took over about 300 priests to move this curtain. And here we see it torn from top to bottom. What was the curtain blocking? Holy of Holies. No one could enter except the great high priest once a year during the Day of Atonement. And now what is God saying? Because of Christ, we have access into the Holy of Holies. We have access to God himself. Brother and sister, do you believe this? Believe it. Have it transform every thought and action and direction of your life. Contemplate this truth. And as I finish and as I wrap up, Samuel D. James, he concludes by saying, the world we find ourselves in has blood at the center of it. You can scrub away at it all your life and it will not come up. Holy Week is about blood calling out to blood. His blood exchanged for mine the blood of a violent, sinful, dying world transfused for the blood that spoke the stars into existence and washes whiter than snow. A bloody world must receive a bloody Savior. The three most important words Jesus spoke on the cross was, it is finished. What is Good Friday about? It's about forgiveness. It means you can be forgiven. You put your trust in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these hymns of sorrow, but yet praise at what was achieved for us on our behalf. And as we consider leaving this place tonight, I pray 
I pray that you would fill us with joy for what was accomplished on the cross, that it is finished. Nothing can be added or taken away from what Christ has done. Fill us with joy. Fill us with hope this evening as we go from here, awaiting Resurrection Day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.